Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. This is Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi, the podcast. Las Vegas is a place of beautiful people. When you think of beautiful people, sometimes you think about plastic surgery. And as you think of Vegas... There is a great plastic surgeon in uh, Las Vegas, world class. His name is Dr. Julio Garcia, and he's here with us to talk about plastic surgery and so forth. And one of the things I found interesting, Dr. Garcia, is as I read through a lot of your stuff and so forth, you're not just about why somebody should do it, but maybe why they don't need to do it. And I thought that was really important because you say plastic surgery in Las Vegas is really not necessary for everyone. That's correct. I mean, it, uh, it's something that, you know, I feel very strongly that you should really decide what to do depending on the person. You know, it's not just a, you know, a hurry up and get this done to make money. That's not what this is about. I've had patients that I've turned, you know, turned away and told them to come back later. And, you know, 15, 20 years later, they show up and I go, okay, now it's time. And you see the smile on her face, and they say, oh, she really did care about, you know, what he wanted to do for me. And that's always been my mantra of, you know, not just selling. This is about treating patients and treating people and being kind. And that's where, you know, I came to here in Vegas, and, you know, I got here in 1988. Since that time, it just keeps going, thank God. Well, you know, one thing when it comes to plastic surgery, and we've all seen it, some of the failures, you know, that's they have a show on that called Botched. There's a whole thing on that. Doesn't some of that come from uh, when maybe maybe some of these doctors should have said no? I, I think that's a very important point you just brought up, and I do agree that, you know, just doing something because, you know, you, you want to make money is not the right thing. You, you really need to look at the patient, examine them, discuss things with them, ask them why they want to do something and why they don't want to do something else. So this is really, you know, a a relationship building first before we even decide on anything surgically. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, there's always occasions where some doctors will just, you know, they want to just create uh, more funding for their uh, lifetime practice. But, uh, you know, I've been doing this a long time. I certainly have not been one of the most expensive guys in town. Um, and I just felt, you know, we should do the right thing, not not the expensive thing. Well, let's talk about some of your services. And first, it's either uh, breast enhancement or, you know, even things like liposuction, tummy tucks. Do you run into some people where you have to tell them, well, I can do some of that, but some people need to lose weight first, for example. I mean, it, you, you can't, if somebody is 100 pounds overweight, they, they can't just call you up and you remove it. If that's the case, I need to make an appointment with you real soon. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But, you know, you, you, you really hit it on the head. I mean, a lot of this is a conversation that I have with my patients to see what it is that they're trying to achieve and not just, you know, copy something from a magazine or, or something like that. You have to individualize it. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you know, trying to do, you know, a procedure just to achieve that 
you know, that goal, uh, you have to really you know, discuss it with the patient. Sometimes it's, it's just liposuction. Sometimes it's not. Um, you know, I made, a, I made an error many, many years ago when I was still in Chicago during my training. Uh, and it was a funny story that it ended up okay. But I went in to examine a patient when I was still in my training at University of Illinois. And I started talking to this lady about her notes. And she looked at me and looked at me and finally said, well, Dr. Garcia, that's wonderful, but I'm here to have my breast augmented. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh, what an idiot I was. And after that, let me tell you, I always am very careful about what is it that they want, why do they want it, you know, what brought them there. You, know, you, you learn the hard way to figure these things out and do what the patient needs, not what the patient wants because I, I do tell patients I can't do this or I won't do this right now for you or, or even later. There's patients that come to, you know, very early uh, and they're not a good patient. And some patients are just a little too old and they expect certain miraculous changes with surgery. And I can't achieve that. I'm not going to lie to them. And um, so, you know, it's, it's the old adage that I tell some of my patients, I'd, I'd rather have you walk away with no surgery and be disappointed rather than being disappointed after a surgery. Boy, I so, love that. I mean, because, yeah. you, you know, Doc, you must have had times where people have a hard time saying, like, it's not going to do what you want it to do. It hurts, but the truth sometimes does hurt. It, it does. And, you know, and ultimately it, it's for the best of the patient and, and the best for me to be happy and, and be able to relate to patients and discuss things with patients because, Part of this is the learning process. You know, I've, I've been here for, you know, since 1988, so starting my 34th year here, you know, and sooner or later I'm going to leave, you know, and retire, you know, at some point in time. I don't know when, but, you know, I, I really want to leave, you know, a, a thought process in the others to say, hey, maybe we should just do it this way instead of jamming this stuff. Because some, some people are, are, you know, surgeons doing surgery for, 10, 12, 14 hours a day, and, and that's just insane, you know, I think. You know, you really need to, to develop a relationship with these people and not be so concerned about how fast can you do this thing. You know, it's a matter yeah. of, of skill and, and comfort. And, you know, you've got to make them happy. That's the, that's the key, and, and you've you got to get a relationship with people because it's just like everything in life. You need to be able to communicate, and that's one thing that has to be from the day one with the patient. When I was really happy to get you on because there was a couple of things. First of all, people talk about this, that they think it is, a, and in some cases it is, you know, just a, an appearance enhancement, and that's all fine. But you got to realize you better know who's doing this because this is still real surgery. And, uh, you know, people sometimes forget that because, oh, you know, tummy tuck or, you know, it's it sounds cute. But it's surgery, right? So you got to get somebody that every single time I imagine you deal with a with a with a patient, you're always thinking this is real important, and you know we got to get this perfect because there's no room for error. That, that's right, you know, and and uh, you know you, you need to see what the patient wants. Sometimes their demand is is exorbitant. Yeah, uh, and and there have been a lot of patients that I say, you know what, I'm just not the right person for you. I can't I can't make you happy. I can do the surgery maybe, but I can't make you happy because sometimes people, what they want, what they're hoping for is just not feasible. And, um, you know, unfortunately you see that more and more 
in the in the world that we live in. I, I've gone through so many changes, you know, since 1988, when you know, there was only 13 plastic surgeons in town, and I was brand new. And now we've got a big group of people, a lot of doing things, people that aren't plastic surgeons doing plastic surgery. So it's become a um, an explosion of surgery that isn't always for the right person. You know, you need yeah. to pick that person, and they need to pick me. That's why I'll, I always tell patients when they come to see me, I say, you know what? I know we've had a meeting. I, what my, I would suggest that you go and, and see at least one, maybe two other uh, doctors. Take your pick. Come on back. Discuss this. You know, I very rarely will say yes to a patient on their first visit. You know, I try to, to tell them, listen, even if you just come back in a couple of days, I want you to think about this because this is a sometimes a very big thing. It might be something relatively small, like say uh, an eyelid surgery compared to a tummy tuck or something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, the reality is you have to customize it for them and what they, what they would benefit the most. You know, for example, when I do a facial procedure to make someone look younger as a female, I may do something totally different than I would for a male. Um, you know, men tend to, I tend to do more neck lifts because that's where the man finds that kind of, oh, I don't like this appearance. Whereas, uh, you know, he's fine with his cheeks and things like that. The female is going to need and desire and want different things that a male wants. So you have to customize that in the world we live in, too. There's people that are, you know, having some changes, as they say. Um, and you, you have to treat them very, you know, openly and honestly to get them where they want to be. So, uh, yeah, it's a fascinating job, honestly, because it's literally from head to toe. Doctor, I, I think this is great advice, and people should listen closely. I don't care if it's a kind, whatever kind of surgery it is, whether it's intense dental surgery, through uh, anything on your body and so forth. People should, I think that's great advice. People should check out, make sure they have the rapport with you. Check a couple of doctors. Make sure you're on the same team. Because again, you know, no matter what it is, there's really no room for error. We don't want mistakes or really, you don't want somebody coming back to you and saying, boy, am I disappointed? You know, and maybe just spending a little more time with this could prevent that. You know, I 100% agree. You know, I think, you know, unfortunately, I, I, I've seen what happens sometimes when, you know, a patient comes to see me and they want X and I don't want to do X. And they'll leave. They'll go somewhere else and do something either here in Las Vegas or in a different state or a different, you know, country. And then they come back with this mess. Yeah. And there's something that just looks terrible. And they want me to fix it now. And now, you know, fixing is a lot harder than doing it for the first time. And it, it becomes a very, uh, very bigger kind of emotional uh, conflict for the patient because now they made a mistake uh, and they want, they have this thing that's too big or too small and they want that corrected. And, and that's why patience in making a decision is always important. You know, it's like, you know, my instructors used to tell me, you know, think three times and cut only once. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and uh, it, it's, uh, it's something that has to, fit inside the, the surgeon's hands and that and, and his head and that applies to both the men and the women that we have in Las Vegas some of them are super super talented folks that you know I admire their work 
and, and we get along. You know, and there's no reason not to get along. There's no reason for some guy to try to say, hey, I'm the best in town, because you know what? It just doesn't go that way, at least in my book. You need to be, you know, able to, you know, coordinate with patients and, and understand them, and they got to understand me, too. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm a little, you know, one way that they thought it was going to be, and, you know, and, and I disappoint them, and I go, well, I'm sorry, you know, but that's how I am. And uh, it's a challenge, you know, because it, it's male to female. It, it's, you know, young, young kids. It's older people. You know, people ask me, like, well, what's the oldest person you did surgery on? I go, well, do you mean a combined procedure or a single procedure? Because I've yeah. done procedures on people in their 80s, uh, and people look at me, you did an 80-year-old? I go, yeah, she was healthy. If they're healthy and there's all the problem, I, I've done patients with a breast augmentation and a facelift uh, in their 80s. Let me tell you. You can change someone's life because their level of confidence, not their beauty, but their level of self-confidence is what really changes for them. And that's what I like when I see them smile. I want them to smile. That's my job is to <laughs> yeah. help them smile. That's not, it's not making them look better because better is variable. Right. You know, it varies from person. I mean, their friends may, you know, I get the usual story. Well, so and those you know, my girlfriend said, do this and do that and, and, and do this size and don't do that. I'm like, you know, they're, and they're not surgeons and they're making. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. And everybody's different, right? I mean, what would what, what look good on one person may not look good on somebody else. It's, it's a lot of it's a matter of opinion. And I think it gets back to what you said. You got to go home and think about it because sometimes when you put a little thought and then you kind of get past the excitement of, oh, you know, everybody thinks they're going to come out looking like a model. And then as you start thinking about it, well, well what can I really achieve? Yeah. It's funny you say that because it, I've always, you know, related that to the patient that, you know, they come sometimes and, and they think I'm Santa Claus and I'm just going to be <laughs> able to deliver this little package that they always wanted. And, you know, Santa Claus doesn't always do that, <laughs> yeah. you know, and uh, that's part of, of being a surgeon and being a, a physician at the same time. You know, I mean, you can have a lot of surgeons who, who may have look at different things in a different fashion. And I think that's the important thing, having a good relationship. You know, I've been very blessed. Uh, I've had patients that, you know, um, I did the, you know, I, I did an operation for the mother and I did the child. And then I, I also have scenarios where, you know, I operate on a child from an injury you know, in their younger years, and they found me later on when they had babies and they had wanted to get surgery to fix the problems from having, you know, the baby right. and stretching the skin. So there's patients that I did in the emergency room at one of the hospitals here in town when they were little kids, four or five years old, and all of a sudden, 20 years later, I'm doing the tummy tuck, you know, because they had a baby. It's just, to me, when they come back and they, 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 look at me and I look at them and you you see that magic where they trust you. That is just such a great feeling. Uh, I love that. I really do love that. Well, let me ask you a question as far as plastic surgery versus traditional. Does it take, you know, to be really good in your specialty, there's more of an artistic need, isn't there? Because you're kind of doing something a little flair. It, it's not as obvious, say, as removing a uh, an appendix. And there's certain things you do based on what have you. But yours, it seems to me, and maybe I'm just way off, but help me understand. Does it take more of an artistic flair to do that kind of work? Well, 
I, I personally think it does. You know, I was I was very fortunate when I was in college. Uh, I went to Northwestern University in Evanston, uh, Illinois, and I was a I was a, a double major. I majored in biology, but I also majored in art history, and I was able to learn a lot about art and doing things and and making it look better for that patient. And that's part of the you know the the beauty of this is that we get to to look at the artistic thing. You know, it's, mm-hmm. I, it was funny because when I was learning to do all this stuff uh, back in Chicago, there's a lot of people that were getting nose surgeries, for example. And, this, you know, a couple uh, physicians that I knew, everyone looked the same when he finished. They all looked the same. And, you know, I, it was weird because they all did look the same. Yeah. And, he would, he, you know, that particular surgeon felt that that was an accomplishment. For myself... I, I've always asked the patient, you know, I want to know what you want it to look like. And I have them bring photographs of models from magazines, tell me what they look, what they like, what they don't like. You know, they always say, well, can't you do a computer graphic to show me what I'm going to look like? And I tell them, I said, listen, I, I, I go to the movies a lot. And those movies, I can't replicate what they do in movies. It's just, you know, those are computer, you know, graphic yeah. things that can be done. And I want the patient to bring me pictures of patients, of people they like and people they don't like. And then the two of us sit down and, and figure it out, saying, well, I like this, I don't like that. Now, once they teach me what they want, I can then tell them I agree or I disagree. And that's the important thing of communication with the patient, making sure that they get what they want. Because they'll sometimes ask me, well, what do you think, Dr. Garcia? I go, you know what? I'm a technician for you. You're the one that's got to think about what you know what you want done, and I'll tell you whether I'm willing to do it or not. But you know, it's it's their decision. They're the ones that are going to walk away from my you know operating suite and look better or not be happy. And that's why I try to to fulfill their hopes and dreams. When you talk about bringing in pictures and so forth. I know some of the people we talk to in the hairstyling community in town will tell you some people will come in and they'll want some particular haircut and they got to tell them that's not going to work on you for whatever reason. Do you find that too sometimes where gee that's great but the way you're built and the way you're you know just the way your skin is and so forth we're not going to be able to do exactly that you got to look elsewhere. You know it's, it's you're, you're so correct in what you're saying you know and I've seen that scenario play out where someone, you know, a, a patient's head, for example, when you go see a beautician who's doing their hair, it's very important to, to gauge the shape of the person's head in terms of how the hair is going to lay on how you do it. Because sometimes, you know, you try to give someone a hairstyle and their head is a different shape, they're not going to look like they, you know, the, the pictures in the magazine. So you have to sometimes, you know, peel the person down and say, hey, Let's think about this. Let's do the right thing. And, you know, obviously there's going to be some doctors and some hairstylists that do whatever the patient wants. Um, and the patient, you know, it's, they may not get what they thought they were going to get from that photograph that they brought. They think they can all look, you know, it's like I remember I have very uh, wavy, curly hair. And one time, a long time ago, I forget who, who pushed me, said, oh, you should go get your hair straightened. And I'm like, really? And I just did it on a whim, yeah. you know, just to see it. And I, I didn't 
I, I was like, what? when I got done, I'm like, what have I done? I don't look like me. I had this great hair that just didn't fit me. And I laughed. And, I, you know, thank God it didn't last very long because of the product yeah. that the hair they used. But well, yeah. that's the whole thing. You know, you gotta, you got to pace yourself in yeah. what you're trying to get. And this is what you're talking about with thinking about it. I mean, we I had some people, friends of mine, who got into the Paris Hilton look, and it's like, you know, she's got a certain building. You can't do that. And, you know, there's no diet in the world that's going to allow you to look like exactly like her, you know. Exactly. Go within your strengths, whatever those are. Yeah. And, you know, you know capitalize on what you can and hide what you can and try to be happy. That's the key, you know. It you can't, I, you know. I wish I looked like some of these, you know, guys on TV that do movies that are all, you know, buffed up and huge and all this stuff. And we all know that a lot of these guys are taking, you know, medications to make them look big, bigger and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, that's that's a fake. You know, you see all you see him in a different movie. I looks, you know, totally like, oh boy, that's you know. So you got to be comfortable with yourself before you can do anything that you know for someone yeah, else exactly you know one other thing i want to talk about too we've spent a lot of time because but people are interested in you know beauty enhancements and so forth but a lot of your business also is taking care of birth birth defects different things that have been uh that are just problems that you're born with or whatever or somebody getting an accident it's and boy, is that an important part of that business? And it's really can talk about the quality of life people can live based on what you can do. Yeah, you know, it. it uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I was only here in Vegas about six months, and I was at uh, the hospital there. On I don't want to use the hospital's name, but uh, one of the larger hospitals in town back in 1988. And I walk into the operating room. And the nurse is there, and the anesthesia doctor's there, and I'm starting to do surgery for a cleft lip on a child. And we use all these special, you know, devices to hold the patient, baby, and you know, in the right position and stuff. And I start uh, fixing his lip, and um, the the nurse in the operating room says, "You know, Doctor Garcia, I've never seen an orthopedic surgeon do a cleft lip repair." And I looked at her. I said. Why are you saying that? She goes, I thought you were an orthopedic surgeon. I wow. guess I was yeah. like an orthopedic surgeon. So, <laughs> you know, I've done kids. I've done, you know, kids that have, you know, fingers that are not, you know, they have too many big fingers or toes right. or whatever and do that and, and congenital problems. You know, it, I do, I don't do that much of that stuff anymore because there's other young surgeons that really enjoy doing that as well. But I've, you know, I've taken care of cowboy guys that, you know, rip their fingers off and, you know, in a competition when that rope rips on their fingers. You know, I, a long, long time ago, you probably weren't here, but there were these guys that had these wild animals in their uh, displays on the strip. And these animals got, you know, bit some of these guys. And I, I, you know, sewed them up, uh, sewed them, you know, just to fix them up from animal bites. Uh, They had, you know, tiger bites and yeah. All these weird things that you you sit there, and it was it's been a great ride for me to being able to experience taking care of patients with from weird places on their body. Oh boy! <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. 
Well, it's fascinating stuff. Dr. Garcia, you've got people that come from not just Las Vegas. You certainly have a lot there, but you can tell people come from all over, and uh, that has to be a real tribute. You must feel good about that, the fact that somebody would uh, would make a trip out. That that says something about you, and, I, and I, I, it's like anything else, I guess. It must feel good to be at the top of your game. Not that you're competing with anyone, but it just must feel good, I, I would imagine, from the point of view. Like, you get into this business to be... Uh, honored that way with people that'll come from miles and in countries and so forth away uh, has to feel like wow I'm really accomplishing something here. No, and, and I do. You know, I feel happy because I see them smile and be happy, and, and that's really the end game. You know, if if I if I can do what they want me to make them look like a certain way, and I can achieve that, and they smile, uh, and they're from all over the world. You know, I think that's great. You know, I mean, I've they send me gifts. It's it's so weird, you know. These people are thousands of miles away, and they send me gifts, and it, it's amazing, you know. And I I feel honored to have people from far away that have chosen to to come and see me, and it, it it's been a great thing. I've learned so much from you know people in all different parts of the world that I went to do, to work on, and they came uh, likewise to see me, and it's it's been a great ride, I have to say. Well, if you're listening to this and you're saying, hey, I'd like to run some ideas past Dr. Garcia, you can. Uh, doctor, give us the, uh, if you would please, your website and so forth. So if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Well, best way, uh, my, my name is Julio Garcia, MD. Uh, the uh, website is uh, lvcosmeticsurgery.com. And uh, we're here on the west side of town, on uh, just off the highway. Um, and we're in a new office just a, a year ago and happy to be there. Nice, bright place. And we do a lot of other things besides cosmetic surgery. So uh, we'll always have a surprise for you when you come to see us because I'll, I'll be doing something new and different, too. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm always trying to, to learn and teach my, myself new things to get better. And uh, I welcome you all. Anyone that's got any questions, please call us. The, the number is 702 Seven zero 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 five eight. My staff is here to answer your questions, and then if you want to come in and see me, that's what we do here: is uh, help you figure it out. Doctor Julio Garcia, thank you so much. Great, uh, great meeting you today, and uh, best of luck as uh, the years move on. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much for the kind words and the time. I really have had a great time with you. Come on, let's go to Vegas. Support Vegas Never Sleeps on Patreon for exclusive ad-free content, prizes, drawings, and fun, starting at just five bucks. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Pack your bags and get ready because you're going to Vegas. Go to patreon.com slash Vegas Never Sleeps. Come on, let's go to Vegas. What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. 
e-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com.